Hey everybody, welcome back to the Thoughts and Found podcast with Adam and Danielle McKenzie. Great to have you back with us again today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about hip dysplasia. And you might ask why? Well, it's because our daughter has the condition. And although it's a fairly common condition, it's also one that people either haven't heard about, or if they have heard about it, they don't necessarily know a lot about it. We heard, we heard about the clinic. So we had a Labrador retriever for 12 and a half years, and it's a very common condition, uh, along with other joint problems in, in Labradors and in, in other dog breeds. Uh, but I didn't for, know it was a human thing. Human thing. <laughs> <laughs> but Turns out we all have hips. So, hips. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the, um, the human version. Uh, in particular, we're going to be focused on um, the infant and toddler uh, age range. This is something that can afflict people at any age. Um, most commonly in, in young, chil- young children, though, excuse me. Uh, just as a quick disclaimer, we are not doctors. We are going to be speaking from our experience as, as parents, parents with a child a with this condition. Yeah. Uh, if you do have any questions about the condition, we encourage you to talk to your doctor or another authoritative professional. Basically, hip dysplasia, and, uh, and this is per the International Hip Dysplasia Institute, it's a, it's a general term for infantile hip instability, dislocation, or the shallowness of the hip socket after a child has been born. Um, there are a number of different terms for the condition. Uh, some of them are developmental dislocation of the hip, developmental dysplasia of the hip, hip dislocation. Um, and these terms are also used dip- differently depending on the severity of the case, the age of the patient, the time of the occurrence. Uh, so there's no like, one-size-fits-all term for this condition. It's often called a silent condition because symptoms are often not present initially or they're not detected easily. Uh, they do develop over time. They don't usually cause any pain. And they may not even de- affect um, a person's ability to learn how to walk at a particular stage. So yeah, so they don't even know they have it. Parents don't know. The patient doesn't know that no. they've got it. So it can really go Just undetected or strange. unnoticed for a long time. Yeah. Here's some quick facts about it. One in 10 infants is born with hip instability, as it's called. So they have That's sort of loose hips. So a tenth, a tenth of children, basically. Yeah. One in 100 infants is actually treated for hip dysplasia. Also a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a fairly common occurrence. Um, one in 500 infants um, is born with completely dislocated hips. And I, I found that that's that's a startling number yeah. to me. I'd never, never heard but of that But when you think about time. it, I mean, babies are relatively limber and plastic and, you know, bones aren't fused and they don't have like kneecaps and their, their joints are all really loose and they're in a small environment too in utero so they have to be able to kind of move move easily and then you think about the labor process too they have to you know be able to shift and accommodate the pelvis and coming out so um it's not surprising that they're actually dislocated if that makes it easier to to kind of move around and and depending on size and things like that so yeah one in ten hip replacements is a result of hip dysplasia. So if you yeah, have any relatives surprising. that have, have a, um, a hip replacement, oftentimes uh, hip dysplasia is a factor in that. And they might not have even known mm. that they had it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hip dysplasia is uh, the most common cause of hip arthritis in people under the age of 50 years of age. And it tends to affect the left hip more frequently compared to the right hip. That one's interesting. When you were doing the research, did it say why the left hip instead of the right hip more often? Or it, it didn't seem to mention anything that, that I that I saw more left hip. More left yeah. hip. Again, I, that's curious. Just reading it, maybe it has to do with the positioning of a of a baby. More common in, positioning in or, or something. something. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, 
In terms of risk factors and causes uh, or contributing factors, the exact cause of hip dysplasia is not known. So it probably goes to why they're not sure why it affects one hip more yeah, than the maybe. other. Um, but the hip sockets, um, where the, um, the femur head fits into, mm-hmm. they tend to be fairly shallow around the time of birth. Um, and one of the theories on that is that it is perhaps to aid in flexibility yeah. when a baby is being born. Yeah. Um, genetics play a, a huge factor. That's the number one reason usually, isn't for it? For that there's, you have a, a relative or, yeah. or multiple relatives that Who might may also... may or may not know about it. Yeah, and no. if it goes undetected, you wouldn't even know you wouldn't that it's going to affect you That's or your right. children. That's right. The, um, the fetal positioning um, while they're developing uh, is a factor as well. Uh, so there's a higher incidence of hip dysplasia in babies that are in a breech position. And that is one of the reasons why our daughter has hip dysplasia, because she yeah. was a Tick. breech baby. <laughs> Check that box. <laughs> Um, firstborn children are more likely to have hip dysplasia, also a Tick. factor for us as our, our daughters are first firstborn. Uh, females are four to five times more likely to have hip dysplasia than males. So also a tick. We take that box. We have a dog. Maybe we have genetic <laughs> predisposition too, and we wouldn't know. Wouldn't I have know. clicky hips. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I have hip dysplasia. It's, it's, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all the tick yeah. boxes. Hormonal changes in the mother around the time of birth may affect the baby and contribute to greater uh, ligament elasticity, which may in turn affect hip development. And you were mentioning that just a minute ago, Danielle, mm-hmm. that um, a lot of the theories around this is it's, it's basically that the hips are looser to help with to the help. movement yeah. and, and delivery of the baby, essentially. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And another really key factor in uh, the development of hip dysplasia or not um, are cultural factors in terms of infant positioning or carrying or swaddling during the first year of life. Um, so for example, uh, there are there are what are called hip safe carrying or swaddling methods that keep the hips apart. And in those um, positions, there are lower rates of hip dysplasia, whereas other forms of carrying in, in different cultures, different parts of the world, uh, the hips are extended with the, with the legs being straight, and there tends to be a higher rate of hip dysplasia um, when the legs and hips are in uh, the, that extended position. Yeah, and a uh, lot of the carriers also um, will say certified by the International Hip Dysplasia Institute or Hip Safe. Um, so if you are swaddling or carrying, um, maybe just check whether that carrier that you're using is actually uh, hip safe or hip friendly. There's different ways that they say it on the labels, mm-hmm. um, and some don't say anything, but. Um, Counterintuitively, I remember when we were looking into swaddling our daughter, which she actually ended up kind of hating. So we didn't do that. (laughs) And she was kind of she was born with hip dysplasia, so it wasn't something that contributed to her hip dysplasia. Um, But counterintuitively, keeping the legs apart is actually better for hip dysplasia. And we'll we'll leave some links to pictures and and actually there's some really good diagrams on the International Hip Dysplasia Institute website of what normal hips sort of look like and then how to hold them out and the positioning and it's quite a severe um like outward sort of Angle. position like it doesn't Angle. look comfortable for an adult but it is the best way to keep the hips in properly the aligned and in properly the socket, aligned yeah. in the socket for an infant um which is also like when you're holding them on your hip like they're quite their legs are quite out which doesn't look comfortable to me but it you know it's it's the best sort of hip safe way of carrying um, a baby rather than having their hips together, which mm-hmm. you'd think would hold it in place better. It's actually like the opposite of what you think. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I found that in- interesting when we were learning about it. Well, it was also kind of surprising that um, despite parents' best intentions, 
how you carry your child may contribute can to the development of the condition. It can contribute to this right. thing that you, you, I mean, you're swaddling is recommended and or carrying your child certain ways you, yeah. you have to get things done and they fall asleep and it's it's convenient for them and you and but it could <laughs> In, inadvertently that, affect yeah, your child negatively kinda, yeah. you know so do some it's research hard. if you plan on doing some swaddling or caring of your child. Do some research. Make sure you're doing it the uh, safe the and health, the yeah. safest and healthiest way. There's for your lots child. of Facebook groups and stuff, and all kinds of resources on the internet, um, YouTube videos about how to hip safe carry and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So just maybe maybe check those out. And another quick fact: twins and multiple babies are also at higher risk for hip dysplasia. There's and again, room. that's where move around. <laughs> they gotta Tetris themselves <laughs> together in there. So if a hip socket falls out, well, <laughs> make <Maybe> space. That's, <laughs> that's just how it goes. Yeah. In terms of symptoms, uh, again, the symptoms of hip dysplasia are very age-dependent. We're going to talk about the ones that are uh, most relevant for for infants, uh, but the symptoms do change depending on the age of the patient and and what they've already gone through in life. Yeah, the wear and tear on your body your already body. and activity level yeah. and flexibility. One of, the, one of the most common things is uh, it, when an infant is born, uh, there's a call like a, a hip click test and, and doctors and med students and nurses will put some pressure on the knees and hips of the child to see if there's any kind of clicking sound that, yeah. that comes. They're um, trying to, I think, dislocate the hip or see if it will pop out. Yeah. And it, it apparently doesn't hurt them. I mean, it's hard to watch your newborn infant being should be checked that way manipulated that way like that seems like it would hurt but again going to back to the point that they're very elastic they don't probably feel what we would feel if somebody did that to me i'd be pretty uncomfortable but it it doesn't seem to affect their comfort so yeah it's called the clicky hip test Uh, apparently there are can be asymmetrical creases in the baby's basically bum and upper thigh skin uh, which sort of indicates that the hips are positioned a little bit unevenly. Which in hindsight, we realized with our daughter, she had asymmetrical, like it's the chunky fat on their and the legs. Back, back right? of their legs, basically. Yeah. The, the rolls, they're not lined up on yeah. both legs. Like they're in a different spot on both legs, which indicates that they're not, her legs aren't spread out the same way. And sit, to the sitting same in angle. The, and sitting in the sockets. The sitting same in the sockets at sockets, the same yeah. degree. Yeah. There can be um, a limited range of motion, uh, which is often noticeable when uh, parents are changing their diapers. Again, in our site, we realized that her, her left hip and leg it never didn't went lay, down. It lie never flat. flopped flat down the way yeah. that her right one would. Yeah. And I figured, okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, is that not, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. And when you change them on those change pads, they have the sort of angled sides to kind of keep them from rolling off. So mm-hmm. I just kind of thought well we always change her the one orientation like with her head up at one side so I figured oh maybe that is just contributing and she's looking at me the other way so it was just a comfort thing for her a comfort thing or that's the way that she was in utero yeah so you don't know what to look for when you don't know these things and and in our case as well now you look back at pictures and you can totally see see well in our case one hip is higher than the other she wasn't diagnosed until she's like about five months old yeah some babies are diagnosed like right away after they're yeah, born the so hospital. for us there was, was an interim of the same day she had yeah. that test yeah. so the clicky yeah. hip test was like the day she was born um there sometimes can be pain um or often poor balance or a limp or exaggerated wad- waddling beyond what is normal when uh, a child is learning to walk but you figure if that's happening like a year a, at a year in before that's noticed that's one of those cases where the hip dysplasia might not be for diagnosed for until after a year. Yeah. Um, in terms of diagnoses, how it's identified, again, this is very age dependent. Um, with us, we had a, a young infant, obviously. 
the initial tests that were done for her, the hip click checks, yeah. they were all deemed to be normal. So and for, she probably had, I want to say, 20 people do this clicky hip test. Over the first couple of months in baby first, wellness yeah, checks. And wellness like that, checks yeah. with our yeah. doctor at the hospital when she was born. We were there because I had a C-section. We were there for four days. So we had several people, people and, yeah. and students wanting to learn. So they would come in and do it with the doctors, either a doctor or a nurse or a orthopedic specialist. So it was done a lot. <laughs> and so nobody does, heard anything. No one heard anything. And so for us, it, it means, or it suggests, I should say, that although it might be a, a, a test that works, it may also have some false negatives maybe to the test it's also it's called exactly. developmental dysplasia of the hip so developmental it means might, it may not have they may show yet. up over time that's right, right? Exactly. so the first couple days you're not gonna notice it notice exactly. it or hear it or, or be able to detect it yeah until until the baby gets a little bit a little older bit grows and, grows a yeah. little bit more yeah and nothing's ossified like yeah. you know bones are loose and moving around <laughs> babies are gelatinous just, when they're born <laughs> jello yeah <laughs> um but in addition to those clicking tests, uh, because our daughter otherwise met some of the key criteria, she was a female, she was first born, she, she was, was breech. a breech, uh, that qualified her for, or at least the doctor recommended, that she have a series of, of combination x-ray and ultrasounds. Yeah, where we live, it was a standard six-week follow-up for potential hip dysplasia um, because she ticked so many of those boxes. So I don't know in other jurisdictions whether that's a... Well, actually, we do, we do know that it's not required elsewhere, even in the province, because having moved from Ottawa to Stratford, um, it's we, not a routine exam here. It's not a routine here. Routine here despite yeah. breach. and Well, it was mostly breach was the factor. Yeah. Um, but in Ottawa, it was an automatic, like, come back in six weeks and we'll do an ultrasound. And then the follow-up one and again. And then the follow-up yeah. in another, like, four months, which was, was four months old. And that was that was an optional one yeah. for us. But we, Based we decided Based on the results to of the, the first one. one. And the, we chose to keep that appointment. They yeah. said, oh, you can cancel yeah. it. And that was also because the first test that she had, the first x-ray and ultrasound, when she was, was six weeks, they were fine. fine. They, everything appeared normal. So that was good. She Which was, gave us the all clear to cancel that other appointment. We, we opted you to said, keep, we opted. I think we should keep it. What's Just the harm? Why yeah. not find out? Yeah. I mean, we're lucky in Ontario it's covered by OHIP. Um, which is the Ontario Health Insurance Plan. So other jurisdictions that might not be the case, yeah. and people might have to pay some or all out of pocket. Yeah, so we're we didn't very have fortunate. Have to pay a cent, which was amazing. Yeah. But it was on that second set of x-rays and ultrasounds that, in our case, they did yeah. de detect it. And it was we'll severely, severely advanced at that point. <laughs> yeah. So we're really glad in hindsight we did that. Yeah, but, uh, thank goodness you insisted that yeah. we keep that appointment. Whew, was a, glad, Ooh, glad, we made, glad we made that yeah. call. Um, so x-rays and ultrasounds were the, are the main yeah. diagnostic and tools. And ultrasound is, is basically, um, as they're younger, before they start to ossify you can actually see the bones and the joints right. and stuff and then you move into ultrasound is not helpful anymore um again i'm not a radiation technologist so i don't really know why but ultrasound was a lot less invasive because you i mean it's pretty harmless not that x-ray is harmful but you have to be careful of your exposure and especially the radiation infant. exposure to the they, now um, they do use child doses of yeah, radiation so it's but, less. but we're we were concerned as well um, multiple x-rays in a year is a little bit well, and especially for Concerning. a female where the x-rays are, are yeah, on their reproductive, reproductive organs. organs right there. So the, the technicians also took care to put like little like lead, lead coverings yeah. over her, her hip region to yeah. help mitigate the, the radiation. Yeah, all your reproductive organs are um, right there where they're taking the pictures. And... But the medical professionals were very cognizant of that and try to keep the number of, of x-rays yeah. to a minimum, Just but also being necessary. able to, to, to monitor what's going on yeah. in the state of the, the development. Yeah, so. they took ultrasounds until the very last point at which they could, and then they had to switch to x-rays. X-rays. Alone, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, treatments, again, are largely age-dependent. Uh, there's something called a pavlik harness, uh, which is used in newborns and infants, and that's basically almost like a suspender hip strap that really holds the baby's hips yeah, wide open shoulders. and the knees brought up their sides yeah. almost to really keep them hoisted up in a, a stabilized position. Um, and that's for used several for months. young infants. Usually yeah. I think it's up. We didn't actually get to that stage. Like we, we, we were past that it. stage right. at the point that we were diagnosed. And so, um, yeah, I think it's usually up until about six months yes. and then you switch over to the right. And then the next one's called a rhino brace, which and is what which we, we had. were in. And it's basically a, like a belly band and then two leg bands. Made um, out of foam, foam and, and Velcro plastic and Velcro. And a hard plastic support yeah. around the bum. And it keeps the legs out in a frog position to the side. And basically means your child can only really stay in a seated position yeah. or lie flat on his or her back, like with, with her yeah. legs with up their and legs suspended up like a frog. With their legs up in the air. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a brace that they have to stay in. Yeah, it's not pretty. And, and we'll go into the time and, and the um, the duration of, of yeah, that treatment. Yeah, and how but that's the, managed. And, and in, in more uh, worst-case scenarios or serious cases, uh, hip surgery, yeah. and, and there's various types of surgery they can do for the treatments, a hip surgery and often a body cast is yeah. actually Because if uh, the required. rhino brace doesn't work, like it's a series of um, treatments, right? The pavlic, and if that doesn't work, well, or they grow and they require the rhino, and then that doesn't work, then there's a series of open and closed reduction surgeries and we're not going to go into that because we don't have experience with that but that is listed out on a couple of the websites that we'll leave links to but usually the the recovery from that is a three-month body cast um so it goes i think chest down basically to, to the top of your knees yeah it's yeah. called a spica cast and there's special tables that people have built for their kids so that they can sit because your legs are you know, Ca- cast it apart. Cast. Yeah. There's yeah. diapering issues. Like there's all kinds of bathing stuff and cleansing issues. And yeah, it's a pretty manage. it's a pretty, pretty involved process at, a, at that age. Like it's it's tricky because they're not really mobile and stuff. And um, but also surgery down when you're like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like it it varies based on your your age age and whether you're in school <laughs> all that stuff. And how like active the, you've been? Like you mentioned the activities you've done. Yeah. yeah. So that can be quite. Uh, quite an involved surgery and recovery. And then related to that is the prognosis. And generally, the prognosis for hip dysplasia is, awesome. is, is very good. <laughs> if you have to have some kind of a medical problem, yeah, this is it's not it's not a bad right? one. And I'm saying this, you know, very very generally, very colloquially. If if you if it's detected early and you do the treatment plan uh you follow through diligently, yeah. your child will have a, a very All good chance of of, to live a full, healthy, active yeah. life. In fact, we heard anecdotally a lot of like, you know, oh, so and such and such a marathon runner had hip dysplasia. Yeah. Dancers. Dancers. So you can really, athletes. it's something that can be overcome very, very And a lot of times if you were an infant and been treated, like you have no memory of it. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know. Your first couple years of your pictures might be all in a brace, but, you know, you don't have any sort of there's no effect on your like mental memory of your childhood. So that's amazing. Similarly though, if it goes undetected, it it. can end up creating a lot of problems for you. And even as a, you know, children, teenagers, young adults, you can end up having a lot of uh, hip problems. Hip arthritis can set in. And again, again, like that's discomfort, like dislocation and the need for hip replacements before at a young, young young age. age, And you wouldn't have even known. So, um, Word to the wise, if you can find it early, that's that's, that's the best. best. Yeah. As is the case with a lot of medical issues, yeah. you know. Early detection. Early and, detection. Uh, yeah. So, but that's easier help. said than done. So, um, but overall, yes, the prognosis is is, is generally excellent. pretty good. Yeah. So that's that's good news. Yeah. 
So we're going to now talk, now that we've given you sort of some background context on what hip dysplasia is, we're going to talk about um, our experience with hip dysplasia. And I think we, we did actually, as we were going through, we kind of touched on a lot of those bit, things. Yeah. Like we, we hit the check boxes for a lot of the risk factors, the female, firstborn, breach, breach. breach position. So right there, she was, it's a good chance she was going to have hip dysplasia, and she did. And she was breech most from the, of my pregnancy. Yeah. So that never changed. Like she didn't like flip at the last minute or not flip her. Like she was, I don't even remember. I think at like six months she was breech. They detected it pretty, pretty much from It the was beginning. pretty early. And they said, oh, there's lots of time for her to, you know, turn. And as the time goes on and she gets bigger and the space gets smaller, <laughs> like your mm-hmm. likelihood of turning goes down. So, yeah. um, and she was frank breech too. Which is just a certain. We'll leave a link to the different breech positions if anybody is interested or. Um, wants to learn more about breach presentation, which is interesting. It's interesting. So, um, but yeah, our biggest things are in hindsight, I think now looking back, like we mentioned at pictures of her, um, in the first couple of months, like she really didn't like to be swaddled. And so we could then see her legs out. I think that's the other thing is like her legs were visible. And so, um, I would notice when I, and I was, doing a lot of the diaper changing at that point, like during the day and stuff. Um, her one leg just like, it just didn't go down as yeah, far her, as the other one. Her knee stayed propped up. It stayed a little bit propped up as if you had like a book under your knee and you're trying to spread your legs like a frog and it just didn't kind of go down the same way as the right one did. And I thought, okay, well, well she was Frank Breach. I mean, she was upside down. <laughs> like you're going to have residual effects from that. But I didn't think that it was actually an indicator, an of, like, indicator of a problem or, or that it would maybe change. I, I for sure kept an eye on it. And I, we brought it up at, at appointments and well baby checkups and stuff. But there's so, so much hesitation to like diagnose really early with that stuff because it changes on a dime, you know. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff with babies, like there's skin issues and hair issues and eyes going all over the place. Like there's so many things. They are lot, weird lot, creatures lot. when they come out. They, like, the list is long of like concerns. And as a first time parent, what do you know? I don't know which ones to ask. About. I don't know what my kids' hips should look like. Like, uh, so I did notice that they were a little bit off position, but I didn't think and the other thing was she, re- really she really didn't like doing tummy time she at all hated and, and, tummy and time. a lot of kids and don't. that's really common so but i didn't really i chalked didn't it up like... to she's one of the tummy she's time haters crazy. like other kids at playgroup they would sit on their tummy the entire time and i'm like wow she can do it for 30 seconds before she loses her mind but it would make sense because tummy it. time pushes on the knees to open up the hips and yeah if, and, if it and wasn't, your hip might, it wasn't comfortable if for your it, hip yeah. is elevated and out of socket it's gonna dig into yeah. like yeah we had her on a mat and a blanket and soft surfaces but still if my one hip protruded more than my other one i'd be crying okay. too yeah. like it wouldn't be a comfortable position and it puts you in like an inverse frog so your legs are out but if you're unbalanced that's not gonna feel very good so i mean we did the tummy time as much as we could because we know the benefits of it but man that was not fun <laughs> like anyway so that was interesting um but yeah i guess the the biggest thing was um the day that we were diagnosed so um, this was after this after the second round of ultrasounds and x-rays and there was a, about a month between the second set of ultrasound yeah. and x-rays that we had just because of appointment schedule well it was november right so she was um when we had the that ultrasound. was the ultrasound and the x-ray done at the same time and then it was moving it was the end of november we were moving into like holiday season um appointments you know were getting booked up but then like the hospital was closed and doctors were off and all that kind of stuff so um it was january 6th that we were able to go back 
to discuss the results of the x-ray and the ultrasound. And so that had been like almost five, six weeks yeah. between the x-ray and then the follow-up appointment. Um, so that was in January of 2020. And turned out, like we thought, okay, it's just normal and no problem. Because we had gotten day. good news stories before, right? Yeah. And this was just a follow-up that we could have canceled, chose not to. Glad we Glad didn't. Glad we didn't. Because the surgeon basically came in and I could tell... His face was drawn. He didn't quite know what to say, but he said, I'm kind of contemplating doing the surgery right now. Like, and we bo- were like, like booking in the next day or two. What? We went what? from no problems at all of the previous ultrasounds to potentially being able to cancel that appointment with the x ray and the ultrasound to we could maybe be looking at surgery next week. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And, so, was, and he was he was really surprised. He said it's very very rare that that a situation will go from that from again. normal to to abnormal. That case, or in terms or in terms of the the development, the proper development had slowed down. Yeah. Uh, however, way you want to, he wasn't really look sure it. why. He wasn't really sure why it was happening, but it accelerated. It was uh, a tricky day. I mean, we ended up being at the hospital that day between waiting for some of the different consultations. We were there for about six hours that day. She um, baby was tired. We were tired. We weren't planning on getting that news that day. We weren't planning on being there that long. I mean, we had taken all the like snacks and bottles and diapers and books and toys, but six hours in the hospital is not not fun. And we had to get um, the, the, her first rhino brace that day too. Like yeah, because the, the surgeon that was did the decide surprise. So we could have been doing surgery the next week, but but he said I'm gonna go on a hope and a prayer. And I remember him saying that, and I just thought that was interesting. Um, that we'll try the rhino brace and see what happens and come back in three weeks. And I yeah. thought, three weeks? That's that's not very long, but, but it's also an eternity. It, 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 but three weeks in the development of a child is actually a, long, a long time. time. A, a lot happens that's as we discovered. Yeah. yeah. So he basically... He also that's followed the first medical principle, the, the Hippocratic yeah. oath, the first do no harm. Do no harm. So I, try so other He went things. back to the base. Try the yeah. non-invasive first. And I think it's maybe interesting, given that the situation progressed so quickly, that maybe he was hopeful that because she was changing her hip structure that maybe the rhino brace would actually work on a patient like her because there was so much change in such a short amount of time um but yeah we were not prepared to go to that appointment get the news and then go home with this brace that we like we didn't have clothes for her that would fit the brace we'll go into the detail of that a little bit later but um we went home with this device that was handed to us kind of in a plastic bag (laughs) You have to trim it to fit. Like, you'll see pictures if you go to the the um, Hip Dysplasia Institute website or Google a rhino brace. Um, you have to trim it to fit and, and it adjusts with the child because it's Velcro straps and there's different sizes. We started out in a small and we had to graduate, or extra small, and we went to small, medium, large, and they changed. But, um, yeah, we got home that night and had to put her in... Brace. <laughs> and unfortunately, we, we were struggling. Like we didn't know what we were doing. It took too long. Like it was messy. She yeah. was crying. I was crying yeah. on the way home. Yeah, and then the baby was, was very uncomfortable ugh. getting her into the brace. I mean, she's been used to for now several months being Freedom. able to move around, and all of a sudden this? you're limiting that that movement. And it's a comfortable position for them, which is good. Like it's more comfortable for an infant to be in that position than it is even for like an adult. I mean, we're a lot less flexible unless you've trained to be able to put your hips that way. Like it's very uncomfortable for us. But it's actually a natural position for infants. It's just that her muscles are developing, her tendons are developing, so there's less flexibility than there was when she was like a day old. So she's used to a certain position. Um, it also meant 
sleeping on the back, which, I mean, she was still young enough that that's the position we were putting her down at night anyway because of SIDS and that kind of thing. Um, but her legs were like up in the well, air. Well, as we discovered, the legs were up in the air. And oh that my actually, gosh. we realized there was a lot of discomfort. You know, discomfort because you, if you try to sleep with your legs up in the air, it's, it puts it's a hard lot of strain on your on lower, your lower back. back. And that was when we kind of discovered uh, that. It, Propping your feet up with yeah. a, a blanket actually well, we helped didn't a lot. the first night because no. we were like, well, is this just what you're no, supposed what do you to do? do? And she was not happy, but we figured. I mean, the, the technician had told us you'll have a couple nights of discomfort and it'll be. But that had a lot of miserable nights, in, but in the um, short, in the immediate short term, you know, at least she was used to sleeping on her back. But looking at this tiny baby with her um, legs up in the air is like, what can I do to make this less uncomfortable for you? Or is this just what it is, and you'll get used to it? Like that strange and over time her legs did come down like it's a flexible structure somewhat flexible the bum is like the plastic part that doesn't move but the the leg part will move we'll flex, as flex your legs flex yeah. and so by the end of her treatment like her legs are completely flat on her crib mattress but at the beginning it was pretty horrible so mm-hmm. we figured out um, we actually ended up calling the technician and saying... They were great. They made themselves very available for us to call and, and ask some questions about the harness, how to yeah. put it on properly, how tight or loose it should yeah. be. Because we didn't get a lot of training like on site. On site, no. She kind of bit, went over the basics. But as you know with any treatment, like you go home and try to do it yourself. It looks easy in the hospital because they do this all the time. <laughs> you try to do it with a wriggly, tired, crying hungry, crying. Baby. And you're frustrated and, and you know worked up and sad and... Yeah. Ugh. it's just not a good combination um but yeah we left a voicemail for her and she called us back just asking is it normal for the legs to be up like that like this is not comfortable and she agreed she said hey if, if, if it try works stuff. and allocates to put try, try whatever stuff, you it. want and that was another interesting point where yeah. like, there wasn't there weren't a whole lot of hard and fast this rules. is what you do it's it's like if it works if she's more comfortable having her feet supported yeah. it, it takes the pressure off the back but still keeps her legs in that yeah. position and we tried various pillows it. like some pillows were too high because she was little so it was too elevated and then it kind of pushed on the belly back. strap yeah. which yeah. was digging into her tummy and then we ended up rolling up just a fleece blanket and rolling rather than folding because folding was too small the roll we perfected and that was just the blanket that it, we it washed nice. with her bedding every week for months and it gave <laughs> just the right amount of cushioning that it, it was supported it was like but it also even, let her let her feet sort of settle into it a little bit yeah like a 90 help. degree for her because the knees too like the the thigh at that age like the the velcro covers her thigh almost entirely mm-hmm. and so then the knee is left dangling, which can be really painful on the knee. So you're you're dealing with all this residual discomfort from something that's trying to solve the hips, um, but you have to have your joints properly aligned. So that worked really well, um, and it kind of grew with her. We were able to roll it tighter or looser, depending on how much height we needed. So, um, but it anyway, was a, it was a, wise, mm-hmm. like try a rolled up fleece blanket. It's not very high tech, but. It, it works. works. It works. So. And so we did have a few nights that were pretty miserable uh, for the yeah. first couple of days. But then, but then after that, once she, she got, got used to the used brace, to it. And, she and, got and used the to it more than we did. Yeah, the doctor said that. They said your your child is going to uh, be able to adjust to this a lot faster than you will as parents. Yeah, and even looking at her, like it made that's the part that I was just like, it hurt every time. Heart. It hurts my heart seeing my tiny little baby in this brace. It was just, it was a little bit soul crushing. Like it, I mean, this is not to compare our situation with any like medical issues that people face with their children because they're really sad stories but this was i mean when it happens to you it's different than the, <laughs> like it's it's just your baby and yeah. so nobody likes you want to see their to baby uncomfortable comfortable or, and yeah. what can i do to make your discomfort end like this is my job this is what i'm supposed to do with you so um 
that was just hard. And yeah, like we have all the pictures of her for her first like, year. <laughs> oh, there's the brace. And I mean, it gets dirty. Like, well, and, and the brace also for her, it has to go on over clothes. Like not yeah. everything has to go Well, we chose clothes. to do that because, so first of all, it was January. So it was cold where we live. It was snowing. <laughs> so she basically, we lived in onesie sleepers, like zip mm-hmm. up buttons were not so great because the buttons ended up creating big gaps as your legs are split up spread apart you can't like you're gonna have button gaps so we did we opted for zipper um sleepers footed sleepers and then even into warmer weather she still continued to wear pants because any sort of like chafing like you don't want a velcro strap around your skin you'd rather have some sort of barrier shorts were too small like it didn't cover all like wedged up with the brace and all just just, all bunched up and it just wasn't yeah yeah. it's not not good um so she stayed in light pants until she came out during the day um so the course of our treatment was like january until july she was in 23 hours a day in the brace in in the the brace brace, and so the weather got warmer she just wore pants (laughs) like light pants and she didn't know the difference like it was fine but um, that's just something to keep in mind. We we chose to do that. I'm sure we could have put it on our skin, but I would imagine it would get yeah, we irritated chose to keep, keep and that, sweaty. That and, barrier there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, as time goes on, she's starting to feed, like she was starting solids in January too. So there's like stains on the brace that don't come out of foam and Velcro. Like they end up, the brace ends up pretty gnarly by the end of it. You can't wash it. You can wipe it. But there's like rainbows of stains on this thing. Like by the time the baby grows and you need a new it brace, stinks. it's time to change the brace anyway. Like it's gross. So yeah, I mean she grew fast out of quickly out of the first one, so we were able to change. But then the second one, I think she stayed in longer and was eating more and eating snacks and like transitioning more to solids. So yeah, it was pretty gnarly. We didn't keep it for like a relic. No, <laughs> like no, it they're, went in they're, the they're gone. And that was a happy day actually throwing it out um but, clo- but, but clothing was a ma- major clothing. thing for us to consider because because of the limitations created by the yeah. brace so there's also a belly band too yeah. so you couldn't even you know a lot of babies it's convenient to just like they're in a diaper if it's hot or like a little sundress or a um romper or whatever like it it was tricky. Like you had this belly band that was this. And you didn't want t-shirts thick. like sliding up against it. You don't want no. irritation in the belly caused by the brace. Exactly. So she didn't stay in t-shirts and pants. We had her in like the onesie sleepers. And then we transitioned to the shorter sleeved um, onesie onesies sleepers. that dome up like under the, the bum. Um, and then pants over top of that. So you at least stayed tucked in and you didn't have to pull down a t-shirt under the the brace all the time the belly band and mm-hmm. her legs were protected against the irritation too um so we had to end up with a pretty simple wardrobe for she, her actually for the, like we bought which actually worked, worked all well the too. onesies and sleepers and thank goodness they mm-hmm. they kind of come up till like five years sizes, old yeah. because she lived in those things um and then but it made it funny because that first summer like she wasn't wearing all the cute little outfits like you can't put a, a kid who's got their legs splayed out in a sundress like that's just not not not, nobody needs to see that (laughs) so she's wearing pants and that was the end of it but it just it made her look younger than she was too because she wasn't graduating with like you know t-shirts and shorts and dresses and rompers and all the cute stuff so we saved a lot of money in terms of buying a lot of things buying the same thing over over buying the same thing same pattern different size like she had a turtle onesie in like five different sizes. <laughs> that was a cute, that was a cute onesie cute. though. <laughs> anyway, it was convenient. We got good but, wear and tear. Um, diaper changes became like a bit more 
onerous and having a 23 hour restriction on how like you add up all the diaper changes that you do in a day is probably more than an hour of consolidated time plus Mm -hmm. a bath plus any transportation so we had to worry about like a car seat does she fit in the car seat and thankfully at that age she did like her knees were splayed out but it still worked with our car Um, seat yeah yeah and we have a brightax boulevard so um, it was wide enough to accommodate to, to accommodate the uh, position of her knees. Yeah. An infant yeah. in a rhino brace. Um, Other car seats are a lot more narrow. Yeah. And, and so for parents that might have a narrower car seat, they might, have, might have to, to take, the brace off. take the brace off. But also then then affects what they do during the yeah. day if you're, if you're following We had like a those stopwatch. Like we had a timer. Like we were really diligent about it because we were like, if this works and we can avoid surgery sure. and we can avoid long-term pain, like let's just do we'll it. Just 23 do it. hours a day. You get that hour out. It's not a consolidated hour of like free leg time because you add up the diaper changes, the bath time. If you take them out for groceries or an appointment or whatever, it like adds we were up. we were like not obsessive, but we were like be really careful. Okay, how long sure. has she been yeah. out? Yeah. Ten minutes. Ugh. Like you have to be really careful with that. Well, and unfortunately, the um, and some, some, some of the, the medical staff had said, unfortunately, there are a number of parents that that don't take those early treatment protocol seriously yeah. it's not convenient not, it's, it, it's like, not convenient. And, frankly and, but, it kind of sucked having to watch the does. clock that hard and you're used to watching the clock in terms yeah. of like bottles and feeding and all that stuff yeah. but this was an added layer of watching the clock and yeah. it became hard and you eat into that hour very quickly, very quickly. and they did compliment this was us covid so yeah. we were still doing things and going to places <laughs> that's right that's right so. it was but, but the, apparently a lot of parents aren't particularly diligent, and the result is that they do end up having to work through more and more invasive treatments for yeah. their children. And, and that's not uh, to judge other parents, because it's very difficult. Very Everybody's difficult dealing with circumstances Absolutely. of, you know, daycare providers or um, other people looking after your children, and it's it's or tricky, and not everybody knows how to do single, it. And, single parents dealing exactly. with issues, Absolutely. And you have to go places with your child. Like, you can't leave them. So, I mean, if you can't fit in the car seat, then you can't fit in the car seat. Like, you can't afford to buy a new, a new car, car seat, seat just yeah. for this like that we were lucky that our our equipment that we happened, had happened to be big enough happened to be big enough yeah. and she was small enough at the age that she was put Diamonds. in a brace yes because now if you put her in she's still in the car seat the same car seat because we got in a like a it grows with her um but there's no way that she mm-hmm. would fit in a rhino brace now at two mm-hmm. so the age that she was being treated was fine yeah. um same with our stroller so any walks and we had kind of alluded to this in the previous episode, the sleep episode, that like our daughter <laughs> tends to like motion to fall asleep. So she luckily fit in our Bumble Ride stroller um, with her brace on, no problem. Again, now, no way. Like mm-hmm. her legs would be off the side of the stroller. Yeah, so, so if she was had to be in that brace now, it would be a different situation. Right place, right yeah. time, right equipment yeah. for the Rhino brace. It was no problem at that time. Even with the bundle bag that we had her in for the winter, it was fine to have her in that um and in their brace so we mm-hmm. were lucky we could we were it made it easier it for us to, be able to check those boxes bath and just any errands which we yeah. were very careful to kind of do a quick in and out and she could fit in the um stroller in the stroller in the store we didn't mm-hmm. put her in like a shopping cart because right. she was in a brace so <laughs> there's no way that would that work happen. um so we were lucky enough to take her in the car seat, keep her brace on, put her in the stroller, keep her car or brace on. And then do it in reverse on the way and home. Yeah, yeah. So we were able to not have to take her out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, high chair, same thing. I think we did take her out of the, for the well, high chair. Initially, yeah, that didn't fit. Initially, she, we sat her on our lap small. to feed her when yeah, she was there. Yeah, that's would, right. One of us would hold her on our lap. And Facing the other one would, the other would feed her the solids. But we were lucky we had two people at home oh, who yes. could do that. So I remember there, a couple of times, like sitting her 
on a couch and having to feed her that way so that she could have her brace on because I couldn't feed her like on my lap and you know do it backwards but also any activity um equipment like bouncers and jumper roos and all that kind of stuff like you're in a brace right so eventually she was given the all clear to um come out of the brace for longer stretches for the day and stay in the brace overnight so that happened that transition actually happened on her birth like around right right around her first july of 2020 july of 2020 so that had been from january till july so seven months she was in the brace 23 hours a day she was given the clear to come out of it during the day all day which we were like blowing my mind basically (laughs) meant the we can buy clothes (laughs) we can the treatment was was working working, and that's not a lot of time like seven months like that's that's kind of amazing that it had gotten to the point where she could come out. So that's like half of a 24-hour day. She was mm-hmm. up for about 12 hours, sleeping for 12 hours. So And in between there, we'd also had to have another set of, of x-rays oh, done. Yeah, because they were follow-up. They were determining... They're not um, going to leave it seven months without following up. Without following up. So she, we'd had a series of uh, follow-up x-rays in there, which which were telling the doctors that the, the treatment was working and, yeah. uh, and things were going really well. Yeah. But then we were able to put her into some of those activity centers, like just to have your hands free too, because there was a lot of, like you have to lift her up. You have to move her physically. Like she was not crawling. She was not rolling over. She wasn't pulling up. She wasn't walking. Like this is all the stuff that's very, like she was put in the brace at a time where that developmental window takes off Mm -hmm. at like six months. And they start doing all these things like every month there's another thing that happens and she basically stayed immobile for a lot longer Mm -hmm. than the average infant can stay immobile so and also lifting her up in this brace is tremendously awkward awkward. it adds weight to her and then totally changes redistributes the weight the weight distribution so you have like your arm almost supporting their entire bum and legs you have to watch like going through a doorway that you don't catch a leg catch a and, leg and, pivot and the wrong way yeah like she's wide so it's it makes her very wide to maneuver through like tighter spaces and you have to physically like pick her up and move her to a new place and stay with her because she tipped over <laughs> we had a pillow Behind all her, the time yeah. that would stay we had a pillow like in every room like just a throw cushion on the floor on the, the floor that we would set her on the floor she would play with her toys or whatever and we would play with her but we had a pillow cuz if she remotely leaned back her entire body fell over over. right like her fulcrum was like completely off so that was a concern (laughs) um so we just had throw pillows like everywhere and one of us had to be with her all all one of us had to be with her all the time and you could sit her on a couch but same thing if she leaned forward the momentum of the weight of the brace would she would take a tumble like luckily she never did because we were really vigilant about it but i mean i can imagine if you were by yourself like you have to put her i mean which is the same case for any infant like you have to make sure they're in a safe place if you go to the bathroom or you know answer the door or whatever um but this was an added element of vigilance and we had to make sure even sitting her on a chair that you know the brace started to dig into our furniture too so we ended up with like a blanket or a towel because it was like you know you have this brace pattern like in your couch that wouldn't go away like it was just really interesting the sort of collateral impact um that this had so we were able to put her in a bouncy chair eventually when she was given the all clear to be out of the brace during the day mm-hmm. um because we wondered about that like is that hip safe is that i mean most parents don't have to worry about that you just 
kind of plop the kid in and there you go. But jolly jumpers or jumperoos or any of that kind of stuff, is that hip safe for a kid who has hip dysplasia? So we um, found out, yes, it's fine, limited amounts of time, obviously, but the doctor said that was fine to kind of get her moving and get her balance yeah. and get orientation those, get those muscles, and get those muscles that have been yeah. basically stationary and not really developing at the rate. So she's been tremendously behind in terms of meeting a lot of those um typical milestones milestones typically yeah. so she started rolling over at a year so so right now just for <laughs> some, some context like she's she just turned two in, yeah, july. in july um so where she's at right now so she started rolling over finally at at 12 months like basically on her birthday which and, most kids are walking by 12 mm-hmm. months not rolling over some kids right. can roll over as early as three months wow yeah so she, she was, was like nine it. months behind yeah like, and the, and, and was, that was a happy day. I mean, she was, was so happy. She was, happy happy <laughs> she, was she was just. Chuffed. We were like blowing up <laughs> balloons, like to see this progress and having a baby who had basically been in the same position. Like even just looking at her, like she was always in the same position. She, like you said before, every photo All her we pictures had look her, the she's same. sitting exactly. She's the wearing same a different way. outfit, but she's doing the same thing. And we unless had, it was just a larger size of the same. Outfit. Yes, <laughs> but we had so much. And actually, it's really funny because we had a lot of one-on-one time with her. Mm-hmm. A lot of eye contact, a lot of conversation. And I think if there's one like silver lining to that, we were lucky enough to both be at home and be able to engage with her very heavily. Mm-hmm. Her vocabulary now astounds me. <laughs> and it's because basically I think we talk to her and we're able to talk to her and basically hand her toys because she couldn't reach them like she couldn't reach forward she couldn't reach to the side she couldn't reach back so we basically had to hand her toys like on a silver platter for like seven months she stared at our faces for seven months like there's a bond there (laughs) maybe we'll ruin the day down the road i don't know (laughs) for now she kind of likes us Uh, (laughs) she talks a lot we have to enjoy this as much as we can yeah we still need to work on the independent playing because she's used to having a built-in play partner (laughs) but anyway so back to the rolling over that happened at like a year whereas some babies are as early as three that's really early but um she started crawling at 14 months which some babies will start crawling at like six months so again even the gaps get almost bigger as you go on but the incremental change that she saw almost sped up sped up because as she was able to be out of the brace it was like one two three like she picked up those skills and it's almost like a natural progression and we had been told that the The medical staff told us that they said when it will start to move along they'll catch up don't worry about it but at the time it seems long i mean we weren't even going to play group because covid had started so we weren't actually exposed to all the things that other kids were able to do that she wasn't so we're just living our life knowing we were comparing her against her which Mm -hmm. i think is actually really helpful um, cause a lot, like you can get kind of caught up in where other people are at and where other kids are at in terms of, you know, milestones and, and things like that. So we were just comparing her to her own things. Um, so yeah, she started crawling at 14 months and there was no stopping her at that point. One day she, she just moving. took off. There wasn't any like, I'm going to get up on my limbs and no, rock back no and t- forth. Tentative she attempt. just yeah. started crawling yeah. and it was like, wow, okay, we need to close the door now. We need to, you know, that just wasn't a concern and that was the other thing too is that we didn't have to baby proof our house Mm -hmm. because 
she wasn't we moving. were with her and she was immobilized yeah. <laughs> she couldn't reach her toes like she couldn't reach a foot in front of her so she wasn't going to take off on us we didn't have to lock cabinets we yeah. didn't have to put baby gates up and by the time she like, did start to move around she had the mental cognition yeah to first, if we said no she you can't touch it she, she listened understood and didn't do it because so, 14 months like you can understand what no means or you understand expressions or tone of voice and like they're a lot further ahead than maybe a six-month-old crawling like they're going to test boundaries a lot more than a 14-month-old who's already been told no. Like, they start to understand, okay, where am I? The six-month-old just doesn't have the comprehension no. to understand, but no, they, the they do want to investigate and explore. But yeah. they're physical, like, they're physically ahead of their mental capabilities, where she was kind of meeting her physical needs at the mental state that she was ready. Like, it was really interesting matching that physical and mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she started crawling up the stairs at 17 months. Again, she just started crawling up she the stairs. She did it one day. She had no interest in the stairs. We're making breakfast one day. And luckily, like our staircase is within eyesight of the kitchen. She just started crawling up the stairs. It was, <laughs> whoa, okay. <laughs> like, there was no like, what are these? Let's look at the stairs for two weeks and try and decide if we want to go up them. No, no. We flew up the stairs. We were like, okay, you take the over the staircase. eggs. I'm going after the baby. <laughs> and luckily we have a carpeted staircase, but like... She didn't do one step and like stop and, you know, clap for herself. Like she She scaled 13 steps in one go. It was amazing. Um, She started walking at 20 months. So that was just March of this last year. So she's only been walking for like four months and she's almost two. Like it's amazing how behind that she was you, but, but, but then now she's you can't up stop her yeah. so she's putting on kilometers a she day. is she's a walker i think she's making up for lost, lost time, time. <laughs> and you know she well she says she's running all the time she's actually not running yet or she's jumping. not jumping mm-hmm. um she can now start she just yesterday she actually started to stand on one foot mm-hmm. i mean she's still holding on um but she'll hold on to like take her boots off and like shake her boots off or or put her shoes on or whatever but even that balance and coordination mm-hmm. like she's she's pretty wobbly in the mornings yeah. when she wakes up she's not you know taking off so she'll stumble and we have to kind of hold her hands and make sure she can get her balance get her balance yeah. and even diaper changes and stuff when you stand her back up um you need to kind of hold on to mm-hmm. her for a minute she regains her kind of um her balance and mm-hmm. coordination and same thing even pulling her out of the high chair after meals you set her down like she'll hold on to your shirt or your pants for a minute and just kind of like gain her composure and and then go um, and just this week, she's also um, started going down stairs on her own, like using yeah. the railings and then stepping down sort of sideways. sideways. Uh, and so that's been a big mm-hmm. step, no pun yeah. intended, and change for her. Because well. normally, like at two, you're starting to go um, upstairs, like one leg at a time, you know, straight, like like an adult would go up, and then um, going down too. Like there's assistance involved, but she's doing it sideways. She kind of invented that herself. Um, which has been amazing. Like she's done all these things. The creative things. Out of the blue. She started walking out of the blue. Mm-hmm. She didn't start really pull. Well, she pulled up a little bit, but it wasn't like the extended periods of time. Like it was a very quick progression and she just started doing it. Like the one day she started just walking, we were in the backyard and I let go of her hand and she just started walking. And I'm like, holy moly. Like, is this how one day she's not working, walking and then the next day she is? Like it was just, it was more... I thought it was more gradual. <laughs> there was I mean, no indication of walking because we had actually tried to release her hand several times. And we said, like, oh, do you want to go walking on your own? No, 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 no. Mama walking, daddy walking, and she wanted to hold your hand. And then the one day she just let go. 
did so, her thing. Did her thing, and there's no stopping her. So it's amazing. And now we're just going through some ongoing checks. In fact, we just had our most recent set of x-rays done a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And we're just waiting for a follow-up with the orthopedic surgeon at Next the end of the week. month. Yeah. And we'll see then from there if there are other steps that we have to do or may be required or if and we just kind of carry the, on the way we are. the follow-up does continue for several years. I think it's up until about five. I yeah. mean, it's obviously and Again, that goes to the to developmental nature of this. The problem, it, it did, age, hopefully yeah. it keeps getting better. Yeah. But should, but check in. should it uh, be the case that something doesn't move along as well or gets yeah. worse again? Um, they want to make can, sure that yeah. it's regular follow-up. And as, as their body gets bigger and there's more weight and more activity, you know, more activity and um, mm-hmm. stress on the joints and stuff. And one thing we are a little bit concerned about is as she's been walking her feet are quite inverted. So she's kind of walking on the inner sole of her feet. Um, so her ankles are quite like turned, turned in, in, which in, like in turn makes her knees, knees turned in. And it's on both legs, which is interesting to me that it's not just the one left hip that's um, got the dysplasia in it. Um, so that's one thing we're going to be following up with the orthopedic specialist about. Is this normal, normal. for should watch. a hip dysplasia patient to walk like that? Is it because she's bigger than a typical child is learning to walk? Like a one-year-old versus a two-year-old, there's a big size difference. So she's bearing weight newly on like newly walking legs, but at a bigger size. With weaker joints Weaker joints, weaker muscles. Is that instability due to hip dysplasia? Is it because of her size and delayed walking? Or is it a combination of all of them? Or is it something else? Is it an ankle problem? Like, do we need ankle braces like so we we want to catch that and kind of nip it in the bud um but interesting I, i'm curious to see what he kind of says whether that's normal for hip dysplasia um patients and that's the other thing there really isn't a lot of information out there about hip dysplasia like not for the sort of incidence and prevalence that like is fairly common there's there's not a lot of um sort of answers out there so mm-hmm. it's really interesting um, there is um that's one thing a point i wanted to kind of finish off this episode with but we might as well mention it now because you've 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 just touched on that um there is growing awareness in the medical community of the early diagnosis and treatment Mm -hmm. options for hip dysplasia even in the last two years you're starting to hear more about it than we did when we had her there is very good prognosis there's lots of upside relatively little downside when it's caught early Uh, again that's that's the opposite is true if it's caught later and you're Mm -hmm. at a greater risk for injury arthritis hip surgeries hip replacements But there is growing awareness in the medical community, so they are looking for yeah, more doctors and nurses are, are becoming aware of this and mm-hmm. watching for it. And that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast. It's such a preventable and treatable condition. Yeah, is to, to get the word out. And yeah. for parents or caregivers or, um, you know, just to... Be aware. Have and, the conversation. And like, and is and it even a thing? Like, it's not just for dogs. Like, that's right, yeah. you know? So... If you think, you know, be aware of it. Ask your doctor or your healthcare providers about it. Um... If you notice things that you think are pretty, like, you know, innocuous, like, okay, their legs aren't even when you're diaper changing. Like, maybe mm-hmm. bring that up. Like, we're fortunate that all of our tests and stuff are covered by our provincial health plan, so we know that. Like, we are very lucky where we live. Um, and then even, like, the x-rays, ultrasounds. Like, we don't pay for any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We did have to pay for the brace. The braces, yeah. Um, and it was about $160, or or I want to say. Yeah. It was partially covered um by work insurance plan and then um, we topped up the rest and we topped up the rest so we didn't have to pay that much out of pocket and she was in the brace for quite she only went through two sizes um she so it wasn't that much of an expense um but uh 
yeah, prognosis is very good when detected early. Um, one other hack I wanted to just talk about if, if parents are having to go through an x-ray with a toddler. <laughs> How to train a toddler for an x-ray. Oh my goodness. You and got it, really good feedback at the hospital from the technicians on this. So this is a big kudos to Danielle on this one. But I put myself in her <laughs> shoes. I mean, she's a super dialed in kid. Like the, our kid is aware of what's going on and she is like, she wants she's to suspicious. know. She wants to know. What's like, happening what are here? What are you doing? Yeah. And initially her first appointment when we got that call from the hospital was like 6.45 p.m. And I'm like, no, no, no. So that's like bedtime. Like that's not going to be happy occasion for anybody she's going to be melting down i don't know how long the appointment's going to take the technicians at the end of their sh- like it's just no so i called back and said is there any chance like i don't want to be awkward and awful but is there any chance with a two-year-old that we can have an appointment like not at 6 45 p.m so we ended up getting in at 7 30 a.m sure that's um, okay because our, our daughter's up at four in the morning early bird, so, so by then we've good. had breakfast we've you know, done all the things. Walked so 7.30 is almost nap time. But anyway. <laughs> if she napped. Um, so we went at 7.30, but we had been practicing. Luckily, we got the date, I think, two weeks in two, advance. Two weeks in advance. So we were able to kind of like prime her. The earlier ultrasounds and x-rays when she was like six months, 10 months, like she didn't, she was fine. She cooperated. I mean, she was crying because she's lying down on an exam table and having to have people hold her down, which is not fun and they're naked right so the x-ray like you're lying on a metal table being held down by strangers with your legs splayed open naked like it's not a it it's necessary but it's not a an awesome comfortable experience comfortable experience child, thankfully sure. it, it's very quick and the technology is very quick but um this time i knew she was going to be a lot more aware of it it had been a long time so she has no memory of like the last treatments but um, we practiced during diaper changes that we were going to like take pictures of her legs. We're going to go see a nice lady or man and they're going to take a picture. We take pictures of her all the time. And she it's knows like, what we're going to take a picture. Means, Jeez. Yeah. You know, she knows what that means. But this time it's not of like all of you. It's just of your legs. We have to see what's going on inside your legs and your bones and mm-hmm. um, hold so still and freeze. Tell her freeze. And yeah. We would do that even for getting like sunscreen on and like brushing her hair. and Or just you know, randomly freeze, during the day. Just freeze. Freeze. And she'd hold still. And hold so still. And um, I remember to, oh, yeah, the hands behind the back. That was the other, or the hands behind her head. Like so daddy for a long on the time, couch. She used to sleep like that, though. She had her hands behind her back, her mm-hmm. head just like totally chilling. And so we told her to just put her hands behind her head and just like, you know, relax and freeze. The freeze. And the lady can take the picture really quickly. And then when she's done, you can like move. And then it was fine. And so we practiced almost every diaper change, like when I was getting her ready for pajamas and all that stuff. And the day that we went there, the lady's like, you're my best patient ever. <laughs> like, you're two years old and you're following these instructions. And I said, well, we've been practicing like every day for two weeks. But um, I was glad I did that because I was having like palpitations. You're really about nervous about what it was going to be like. Any sort of fractional movement on an x-ray could, could be falsely detected as a... Positive or negative. Positive or yeah. negative. Like they're measuring in like really small increments of degrees of hip rotation and hip mm-hmm. um, like socket steadiness and that yeah. kind of stuff. Like it's, it's minutiae, right? You want it to be right? as still as possible you want the best be possible still picture. so that it's not caught like blurry or whatever. You can't retake these things ad nauseum you know so um and i had also gotten her a new book she loves books so i kind of baited her saying like when we're done taking pictures we can have a new book and the lady was great she was awesome with her so um 
she still says, or like our daughter still says when she's getting changed, stay still, still just like I did with Linda. Linda was and the Linda was the technician. So, I mean, we knew this lady for like 10 minutes one day, like a month ago, but she still says it every time she's getting her diaper changed. Hold so still like Linda. Um, anyway, so the technician was really pleased and said that's a really helpful thing like prime them because they're they're aware of this and it's not comfortable and she's she was able to keep her t-shirt on that time um but she's still like naked from the waist down with a straight like i didn't have to hold her down this time which was lovely but and there were only two pictures taken but it was easy peasy and we were in and out of there so now our daughter has at least like a positive association with it because this will be an ongoing thing and i would imagine a three-year-old's even trickier and a four-year-old and a five-year-old like it just they're so aware of that kind of thing. And holding still is not, not a toddler <laughs> so, want to go anyway, faster. Just a little hack. Take oh, some time to practice if you have the time. Yeah. Luckily, we didn't have the appointment like the next day. <laughs> yeah, true. So. And kudos around here in Stratford to like all the medical staff and hospitals. Like We, we moved across the province yeah. um, during the middle of COVID and during the middle of this treatment plan for our daughter. And it was actually a really positive experience overall. Like we were able to get in for all of our appointments. Yeah. The staff around here, uh, even though... Like, we didn't her... have to wait longer than... Because it was pretty prescriptive, like the timelines of when they want to follow up. And we were switching, you know, family doctors. We were switching Specialists. orthopedic specialists. We were switching hospitals. We were switching well, public the, health regions. The, the local orthopedic surgeon we're seeing is in London, which is still about 45 minutes away yeah. from here. But that doctor was happy to have... her. Uh, us be able to have our x-rays done locally here in Stratford yeah. so we didn't have to make the extra trip to London so they've really gone out of their way to, yeah. to make it's been it, it convenient and helpful even given all the all the restrictions COVID. with COVID so it's been a, you know, it was given that we've had to go through this treatment it plan it's been really seamless transition. and positive so thank you very much to all the medical staff yeah. uh, in the area and even from Ottawa who helped to, yeah. to get us all over and facilitate the transition the yeah transition. they were great it's, it's been great so and they did a, a lot of the I mean the referrals are all done sort of in the system so you don't really you don't have to do those phone calls yourself and all yeah. this stuff gets forwarded and we got a disc of our images mailed to us from the hospital in Ottawa mm-hmm. so that we could either keep it for ourselves or share it with share the with doctor the if something did here. happen. Yeah. Um, we ended up picking up an extra brace in the next size up just in case we needed it. Um, because Fortunately, we haven't so far. Fortunately, we good. haven't. So it's in our closet. So I figure what to do with that. like, don't eat it. I don't know what to do with that. We'll figure that out. Any suggestions, let us know. Um <laughs> But that was pretty seamless. So mm-hmm. we ended up picking it up because we didn't know how long it would take to be seen in a new region. And if she grows out of it, like she did the first one, she first. grew out really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed to have that next brace at the ready. Plus the other one was just getting really gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so. Some key takeaways. Uh, we mentioned some of this before. Be aware of the risk factors um, as, as new parents. Uh, like if it's the checkbox when you look at that and yeah. we knew after the fact that she ticked or we ticked three out of the four boxes. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Big surprise. Well, and if it's possible, seek some of this. Like, talk to your doctors. Seek some of those non-invasive early tests like the ultra, ultrasound and x-ray. Because there's a real economic component to this, too, even like for families, mm-hmm. but also for the healthcare system. Like, the earlier you can detect a problem and put in a, a non-invasive treatment plan, you're saving yourselves, yeah. the healthcare system, the time, time the money. money, a lot of pain, a lot of Because honestly, like an ultrasound, road. like one appointment, an ultrasound, and a brace, like that's way less than a lifetime of pain mm-hmm. and discomfort and injury and, mm-hmm. you know... 
looking at surgery down That's the road. Right. Like it's so, and, and, ugh, and you know, if you can avoid all of that. Like, like they said, there's a, there's a lot of families that, you know, for various reasons, you know, can't implement like the treatment the best possible way yeah, they do their best there's also I mean, a lot of people is doing their best every right. caregiver is doing their best there's also a lot of people who you know maybe they do just find it really messy or uncomfortable they're not pursuing the best course that they yeah. they can which is unfortunate and it but, is it's messy it's uncomfortable it's annoying it's, it's annoying. frustrating it's but but either way long term it feels like it's gonna go on forever, forever. <laughs> and you look back now and you're like that was only seven months i felt like we were in a brace for years we. i felt like we were in a brace. <laughs> all of us we were all in this little brace <laughs> it's true. but it was like it was it had a lot of tentacles right in terms mm-hmm. of like transportation yeah. and activities and yeah. seeing people and luckily covid hit so we didn't see people but it was like even anybody else seeing your child or caring for your child or like it just made it it's this added thing and like the brace was just like in the background of every photo (laughs) even when she was out of the brace it was in the room because it was always at the ready like if you were out doing groceries i needed to have it close by that i could put it on and like it just it became so routine so the first night that she didn't have to wear it i felt like we were missing something like a whole bunch of steps (laughs) like it shrank from like a half hour bedtime routine to like 10 minutes minutes. we're like oh okay like that was amazing and even during the day and being able to put her in different clothes and stuff but it felt like at the time it was an eternity and it, it is a, it's a yeah. long-term you know game so mm-hmm. short-term pain, pain for long-term pain. gain yeah. and now she doesn't yeah. even know and it's funny because looking back at pictures um we just got a like a photo book um of her first and second year from a, a family member and it's funny to see her in all those pictures with the brace on because i'm like oh well I, forgot, I forgot almost forgot about, about that. it. Yeah. Like, it's not that you forgot, but you kind of did. Mm-hmm. And you don't look at her every day and see, like, where's her brace. And she was asking the other day. What's that? What's that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, sweetheart. I wonder <laughs> if it's the same for, for, like, I've never broken a limb, so I've never had to have a cast on. But I wonder if it's the same for, like, young children who, you know, break an arm or a leg and have to be in a cast for a period of time that they, when they look back on it, maybe depending on their age. Usually it's like six weeks, though. So, so yeah. I broke my wrist when I was That's right, you did, yeah. 12 yeah. or something. And I... I remember it seemed like an eternity, but now it's like, I don't fleeting, think I have a single picture memory. of me in it because yeah. it's only six weeks and it's not long, yeah. but three months in a body cast though, that's going to be a long time. Yeah, so if you have to go that route. Um, so if you can, props if, if to you're... the parents who go through that, because yeah. I can only imagine like we thought this that's was tricky, so but that's got to, we were trying to do everything we could to avoid that. And obviously it's not always avoidable. In our case, it was avoidable, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, because there's still follow-ups, and I mean, the surgery can end up being required at any point. But but if hip dysplasia is I'm something still... that you're you end up looking at with your child, do as much as you possibly can. The the, the prognosis is good. Yeah, it's really solid. So if you uh, have questions too, like we're happy to talk about this because we found like there's not a lot of anecdotal um, information about it. There's a lot of like medical information and a lot of like you know facts and figures and all that kind of stuff. But you don't really for the frequency that it like occurs occurs there's not you don't see people in these braces and maybe they don't and part go of it out. Might, like, might be that because they don't go out because it I is mean, tricky we continue going out. to go out because we're just like we can't we're, we're just outside people, people. Yeah. um we put her in a brace and we're like okay whatever like even the first week we took her back to play group and we sat her down in this brace we weren't looking for attention we we're just like we want to come to play group and she has to wear a brace so we'll all deal with it and she was fine and everybody else was great like nobody asked like nobody pointed a finger or you know it wasn't like they were teasing or anything they were awesome and people actually asked oh what's that for and in a really nice way and we were happy to kind of tell the story and and if it spreads awareness and you know that's what we're hoping to do so if you know anybody who might 
be affected with hip dysplasia or is concerned about it or doesn't know or like we're happy to do a follow-up um, episode or do a follow-up episode or, or answer some questions if you still have questions about what we talked about and we didn't answer them let us know um reach out to us on instagram facebook um you can leave comments on anchor um you can leave a message so um yeah we'll aim to kind of get the conversation out there about this because we wish there were other people we could talk to there's a few facebook groups but they're not like super they, they, tend, they tend to be regionally based yeah. and they're and they're various levels of activity yeah. yeah so like i haven't seen anybody in ottawa or and even in in the hospital we saw kids mm-hmm. at the orthopedic like we were in the pediatric orthopedic unit we saw kids in there with like casts and like broken limbs and stuff and that's the same area that we go to like it's all orthopedic so bones um but nobody with hip nobody dysplasia. with hip dysplasia yeah, i didn't see a single pavlik harness i didn't see a single rhino harness like are we the only people <laughs> Like all of Ottawa that are being treated for this, doubtful, but mm-hmm. you don't according see to, it. According to the statistics, we it's can't not the be. case. But no. can't be. And same thing here. We haven't seen. So it might be, that may be part of the problem why it's, 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 there's a lack of awareness. It's not you don't seen. See it. You don't see it. Yeah. And I, mean, I can imagine, it's inconvenient, like taking a child out like that. And if it doesn't fit in like a stroller, seat your or car seat, seat it's easier bound. to just stay home and, yeah. and, or like go within your, um, you know, your backyard or your mm-hmm. balcony or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we we didn't let it stop us, I guess. Yeah, we kept going. So, yeah. um, we like being outside. So does our daughter. Yeah, so, we so just we'll make moving. it work. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we hope to kind of just get the word out and um, just talk about it and help other people who might be struggling. Because it's a bit of a, it's a slog. And that news that day, that was hard. It was tough. So, but it's all um, going really well for us It's so going far. really well. So maybe we'll do a follow-up and couple of months um, or something like that and see yeah. how uh, so we get the results next week so yeah, yeah. could all change great anyway well thanks a lot for listening again we're glad to have you back here with thoughts and found and uh we look forward to having you back again for our next episode thanks for listening and have a great day wherever you are bye for now